Namaste. I'm Reverend Wendy Craig Purcell here at the Unity Center in beautiful San Diego. You know, we are always searching for ways to live the example of our teachings in order to improve our world. One of the ways we accomplish this is with Partners Fair Trade Boutique, our store here at the Unity Center campus. You'll find many unique items from around the world, all ethically sourced through fair trade. You know, our spiritual study, our learning about <clears throat> spiritual principles and practices is what gives us a really solid foundation. And we are meant to dig our roots into that solid foundation so that we can be set free, so that we can explore, so we can fly, so we can move forward in our lives with much more purpose and with much more passion and with much more direction. So I said that this month we're going to be exploring the theme of a master's program in spirituality. And I've entitled today's topic, Taking Your S-G-E. And I'm going to tell you in a bit what that is. But taking your, I said S, I meant C-G-E. Taking your C-G-E. You know, this is the time of year when we move into summer, when we finish spring and we move into summer, that there's a lot of emphasis, I think, on graduations. You know, many people are traveling or have traveled <clears throat> to attend graduations of nieces and nephews and grandkids. And it's also the time, especially now, that many young people are getting ready to go off to college for the first time. I was down in Mission Valley yesterday doing a, a little bit of shopping, and I was in Bed Bath & Beyond. And there were a number of moms with their young sons and young daughters over in the section of the store that's all geared towards setting up the dorm room. And boy, did that put me back just a number of years ago when we did the same thing with our son, Jonathan, and our, and our daughter, Jennifer. This whole idea you know, of graduating and of continuing, the real point is not just graduating and thinking we're done, but graduating and then continuing in our journey of growth and, and development. And that, to me, is the magic of our unity teachings of new thought, that we are really invited to learn the basic principles and then not to graduate and think we're all done, but to use them to continue to evolve, to continue to grow. And so throughout this month, I want to use the idea of, of graduation as a, a metaphor for, for our journey. You know, when you think about mastering a program, mastering in our spirituality, I think about those individuals who are really committed to their education, and they go back to school to get their master's degree. And whatever it is that they choose to focus on and, and get their master's in, they're passionate about it. They're really committed, especially with the cost of it nowadays, right? They're really committed to that. And society reaps the benefits of whatever it is that that person has decided to de devote their time and their talent and their energy to become really knowledgeable about. Society benefits from that. But just imagine if we all took a course 
mastering in spirituality. What do you think the world would look like then? Do you think it would look any different than it looks now? Yeah, I think so too. A whole lot better. A whole lot better to master in one's spirituality. Unity says of itself that we are spiritual, not religious. Now, that's become a very popular phrase in recent years, but it's been very true of unity in our more than 100 plus years of existence, having been founded in the late 1800s, 1886, 1889, thereabouts. And we've always been about spirituality, spirituality and the difference between to me, the difference between spirituality and religion is religion is usually about a lot of rules and regulations, usually defined in a very specific way. You learn a lot about stuff. You might learn a lot about the church. You might learn a lot about God. Whereas spirituality is about having an experience of it an experience of the divine, the, an experience of God, an experience of our absolute oneness and infiniteness. Does that make sense? It's very different than just saying, I belong to this set of beliefs. In many ways, that demands a lot less of us than this does. But I think you and I are in this because we somehow have recognized what's missing in the other. And so I want to ask you to kind of take a little bit of a journey with me. If you were to assess where society is now, where society is operating now, using the metaphor of school and graduation, would you say that society is at the kindergarten level? Or is at the elementary school level? Or middle school? Or high school? Or college? Sometimes I think we're at preschool. Yeah? Yeah? So, you know, where are we as society? And then, when you look at yourself, you look at yourself, where would you say you are? Are you operating spiritually? at what we might say is a kindergarten level, elementary school, middle school, high school, college, where are you? And I bet if you really take kind of an honest look at that, it depends, doesn't it? Wouldn't you say it depends? Wouldn't you say that there are some areas in your life that you really show up and you are able to practice your spiritual understanding, you're able to practice principle and hold on to it no matter what? Would you not say that there are some areas in your life that that comes more easily to you than others? Raise your hand if that's true. Yeah. And have you ever been with somebody else who hasn't gotten it quite that good in that particular area? Maybe you've nailed it financially and you're able to practice spiritual principle really well in the world of abundance. But relationships? Ugh. You just stuck there. And you talk to somebody else who, who's struggling all the time financially, just doesn't get that we live in an opulent universe and that there's a law of reciprocity and all of that. But 
they, they don't get that, but their relationships are absolutely divine. And you think, how come they don't have it? And they think the same thing of you. Are you still with me? Right? So the point is, it's not a simple black or white. There's an ebb and there's a flow, isn't there, for all of us in where we show up with greater spiritual mastery than in other places. So how do we get better and better? And where are we starting right now? There is a teaching in metaphysics that I've done a whole series on. I just want to call it back to your, your mind. A way of looking at consciousness, a way of looking at where, where we are that is particularly helpful. It's a way that suggests that there are four levels of consciousness. And the levels go something like this, and they're named, different people call them by different things. First level is often referred to as the why me level. Stuff happens, and usually we think about this when the bad stuff happens. If we're predominantly at the why me level, when stuff happens, we're really confused. We don't understand. Why is this happening to me? Why does this always happen to me? Why do I always seem to attract the same kind of people or the same kinds of problems in my life? It's also sometimes referred to as more of the victim consciousness. Life is just happening to me. And then there's a more evolved level beyond that. And that level is referred to as the by me level or the metaphysician level. The first more is the mortal level. This one's the metaphysician level, the level where we begin to realize that thought is formative, that it does matter what we are holding in consciousness, and that we can use tools like affirmations and denials and treasure mapping and affirmative prayer and all of these and other kinds of tools to create a better life. And man, when we first get into that understanding and we first start tinkering with it and start working with it, it seems like magic happens. And many of you in this room can probably remember when you first learned about that level, right? And you started practicing in that level of creation, of thought, of everything is created twice, first in the mind and then in the manifest world. And it's exciting, right? But that's, I mean, that's the level of the secret. Remember the movie The Secret, right? That's the level of the secret. But there's more beyond that as well. There's a level that is referred to as through me, where it's not just I'm working with these ideas and it's just me working with these ideas and these principles, but now I really get that there's another force, if you will, or an energy or a power. You can call it God, you can call it whatever you want to call it, but it's a realization that there's something that each and every one of us can tap into and co-create with. And our life then begins to have even a greater flow and a greater power to it. And you see how there's an evolution of all of these, right? And then we would say the final stage, not that it's a final end-all, be-all, we get there and then we're done. But what's considered to be that fourth stage is the as-me stage, where there seems to be no separation between one's deepest self 
and the experience of the divine or the experience of God. And then there's a heightened level, if you will, of co-creativity. And so for each of us, we move in and through these different levels. And sometimes we can find that we slip right back into that by me or right back into that why me level. Think of the last time you found yourself feeling like, what in the world is going on? Why is this happening to me? God, I can't take one more thing. Have you ever said that or felt that way? What else could possibly happen? What else could go wrong? Have you ever said that? Don't say that. <laughs> In an infinite universe that's highly responsive, you do not want to put that to the test. <laughs> Trust me, right? You don't want to put that. You don't want to put that to the test. So your laughter suggests to me that we're, we're the same. We may not be facing the same issues, but we struggle with or we deal with some of the same kinds of ways of responding to whatever the issue may be. And so sometimes we fall back into this, this why me level. And so I want to take you just very quickly through a little bit of like a test. Remember, either you remember taking these tests or maybe you have adult kids that you help transition and go off to college and you remember them preparing for the SATs, right? or the ACT test. And now there's a whole industry around prepping your kids to be able to get the right scores on the SATs and the ACTs. And now they're even talking about maybe they should do away with all of them anyway. But that's a whole other, whole other story. But those tests are a way, some believe, to measure how prepared a young person is to go to college and how much they know and where they're going to maybe excel, where they're going to challenge. So my CGE test is for us to ask of ourselves privately, do not take this test for your spouse. <laughs> Don't take it for your partner. Don't do any of this, okay? Just have it be your own personal thing. So remember I gave you these four levels of consciousness. I want you to think about the letter C. And the letter C stands for challenges and changes. Where are you? Are you at the kindergarten level? Elementary school? Middle school? High school? Are you at the why me? The by me? The through me? The as me? Level when you are hit with a challenge or you are hit with a change. Where are you? What shows up? What's your, what's your first usual response? When a challenge comes, when a change comes, is there an energy in you that says, oh my gosh, this is exciting. What new capacity is being developed in me now? <laughs> yeah, that's not usually my first response either, <laughs> right? So we notice what our first response is, but we remind ourselves if the first response is more like the why me response, we quickly remind ourselves that there's a different way of being with it. There's a different way of being with it. What we're really talking about is realizing that there's a gravitational force in our lives. There's a pull. What, it, what is it in, in physics? An object at rest will stay at rest unless there's a force that pushes upon it. Did I get inertia, right? And so, you know, if you think about a rocket, 
Do you realize that about 90% of the fuel is used to just lift that rocket in takeoff? That's why for us, it, the getting started part can be so hard. That's why it can be so powerful to be in Sangha, to be in community of like-minded people, not to isolate and only be with like-minded people, but to make sure that you've got a bit of a network of like-minded, like-consciousness people so that you can overcome your own inertia, that you can overcome the tendency to just stay stuck in the why me level, or even the buy me level. Do you know how exhausting buy me can be? Do you? Let me tell you. I go to fix it mode. I don't stay really in why me very long at all. But I go right into fix it mode. I've got a really active mind. I'm nicknamed in the family Lady MacGyver. Because I can almost always figure out a way to make something work. I really can. You might laugh at the way I get it to work, but almost always I can get something to work. And to some extent, I like that part in me. But where it becomes exhausting for me, and I bet for you as well, is if we just operate when challenge and change comes from the by me level, we are leaving God out. We are carrying the whole dang load ourselves. We're trying to do all of it ourselves, probably not even consciously, we're not even thinking about it. We're just so hardwired that way. And so taking our assessment, being honest with ourselves, where do I seem to stay when change and challenge happens in my life? Am I stuck in the victim mode? Why me? Do I just go right into fix it, carrying all of it by myself? Or do I take a breath and go, wait a minute, there's something more that I can open up to. I don't have to figure it all out myself. Does this make sense? So if you find yourself exhausted all of the time, and I'm not talking about the physical exhaustion that a good night's sleep can relieve you of. I'm talking about the deeper kind of exhaustion. It may be that you are stuck in that by me modality and not leaving spirit or the divine or whatever you want to call that something more any room to work through you and as you. So that's the C. The G is to explore your relationship with God. Where are you, when I say the word God, what comes up for you? For some of you, nothing negative comes up. For some of you, when I say the word God, you don't have any buttons that get pushed with that word. And for some, whether here in this room or listening online, it's like, I don't like that word. I can remember having those exact same feelings. In, in seminary, I didn't want to use the word God. That's a problem in seminary. <laughs> I called God George. That was my shorthand. I don't know why, and it wasn't because of the movie, Oh God and George Burns, but I just called him God. I mean, I called him George because I couldn't call him God. 
because the God that I grew up with was not what I believed in. I didn't believe in an old white man. There's a Never mind, I could get political here. I didn't believe in an old white man sitting up in the, in the clouds. I didn't believe in a punitive, anthropomorphic concept of God. But I did believe in something. And I didn't believe there was only one way to come into an understanding of that something. And I, just, and I didn't want somebody just to tell me about that something. I wanted to kind of experience some of that. So I ask you, where are you with that? Where are you with your concept of the one universe, if you call it universe, higher power, if you call it higher power, God, the Buddha, whatever you call it, where are you with that? And more importantly, when I say where are you with that, how active are you in your relationship with that is really what I'm asking. There are many, there are many who have a casual relationship with spirit, meaning they check in with spirit when their life is falling apart, when they're really hurting, when something really big and tough and difficult has happened. And I'm not saying don't turn to God during those times, absolutely. But too many people have a very casual practice. And what I know is just like you don't get a master's degree with casually exploring a subject. You don't get a PhD with casually exploring it. You put your whole self into it, right? There is a certain commitment and devotion to the exploration of that. I think nothing less is, well, I won't use the word required because that makes it sound obligatory and it's not. But there's, some, there's a big difference is what I'm trying to say. If we have only a casual relationship, meaning we only turn to God, we only study, we only learn, we only come into community like this or like that to get something because we feel something's missing. And then when we've got that something and the, the difficulty has gone away or we seem to have gotten the answer, if the things seem to have gotten better, then we kind of say, okay, I got it. I can go back to the by me. I can do it all on my own. And we lose something in that. So I just ask you to kind of notice that and be honest with yourself. Don't take your spouse's inventory, yours and only yours, but where are you in your relationship with the divine? And then the last, the E, has to do, and you're going to go, well, well, that seems odd. I get challenges and change, and I get the God thing, but why is she saying that this other part is to examine where you are and how you are in your relationship with the earth itself? And I think there's a direct connection and an important link. And it is that there cannot be a separation between who and what we are as spiritual beings and the way that we walk upon and live upon this earth. Many indigenous peoples have understood that far better than some of us in our culture and in our mindset. But it matters. And it matters because we all matter. We all matter. It was Chief Seattle 
who talked about the idea that we are all part of an interconnected web. And whatever we do to one part of the web does what? Impacts all of the web. All of the web. And so as we grow and evolve spiritually, it becomes much more natural for us. It's a natural progression for our circle of interest and concern to widen and broaden. As we grow and evolve spiritually, we become, we still care about what's important to us personally. We still care about our family, but we also care about the whole human family. Not that we can fix everything, because we can't, but we begin to ask more deeply, how does the way that I live on this precious, beautiful planet impact not only me, but others? And not only the others that are sharing this beautiful place at the same time I am right now, but how about the next generation? and the next generation, and the next generation. I'll close with an appreciation for our unity movement. I've been in unity since the mid-1970s. I found unity when I was either a junior or a senior in high school. I should say I was introduced to it. I didn't stay in the beginning, but I was introduced to unity when I was still either a junior or a senior in high school. And so I've been in this teaching, and I've seen many leaders come and go, and many ministers come and go across this long span of time. And for the longest period of time, unity was focused on just the individual. Unity saw itself as just primarily an educational movement. We are that, but we have graduated and grown as well as a movement and as a teaching to where we realize that we cannot just be about helping the individual to live a better life spiritually as an individual. That we really are all in this together. That we really do need to look at how do we live together, not as a human race, but as a human family. And so in the more recent years, and I do mean relatively recent, like 2015 and 2019, I believe I got the years right, Unity has finally started to take some positions and some stands on issues in the world that impact our human family. Issues like our environment. Issues like how we care about our planet. And as the movement have made resolutions and started to fund some exploration and some projects and some work in the whole area of earth care. We have what's called an earth care ministry. I don't know if you know this, but the Unity Center was one of the very first, if not the first, new thought centers to install solar on our roof in 2015, I think it was, that we put our solar up, over 130 solar panels up there, to the tune of more than $100,000 as a way of saying, we care. You can applaud that. Some of you helped. Some of you have come since then. But unity as a movement is starting to say, we've got some issues. The Dalai Lama says all of these issues 
have a spiritual answer. We have to approach them spiritually. Too often, we approach the issues in our life personally or issues in our world from the surface level. We don't get at the root and try to understand what's the real cause and what do we have to do as individuals, even if it means a little bit of sacrificing or changes in the way we choose to live and what we choose to do to make this a more just world for everyone. And then more recently, I said there were two resolutions. Bless you. Was the resolution on healing our past as a movement around racism and really taking a stand for racial equity and social justice as it impacts the realm of racism and as it impacts our environment as well. And so I'll close with this last thought. You know, I listen to the news and I imagine you do too. And I think about the work of Martin Luther King Jr. I think about the civil rights movement. I think about how so much good came up and through and out of the black church under the leadership of the civil rights movement. And King was not the only leader, but he's the one that probably comes to our mind most of all. And people of faith were rallied to make better choices in the realm of love. And sometimes love has to be expressed in and through social issues. And I think of what happened in and through the black church. And I step back and I look at what's happening in the extreme of the religious right. And I don't know about how, how you feel, but it frightens me. And not a whole lot does frighten me, but that does. The marginalizing of people, the taking away of, of basic rights, and how in the religious right I applaud them they address these things out of their theology. I don't agree with it, but I applaud them because they're speaking to the minds and hearts of their followers and saying, take action here. Does this make sense what I'm saying? We have to stop being afraid of doing that in new thought. We have to say that people of the consciousness that we have can't just keep this consciousness to ourselves I'm not talking about proselytizing, and I'm not talking about converting other people, but we can't keep these teachings and this consciousness to ourselves and only work on improving our lives. We have to have the moral courage and the spiritual maturity to graduate and apply this in a very vocal, very clear, and very purposeful way toward the very real issues that we're facing in the world. That, to me, becomes evidence of our graduation and our earning a master's degree in spirituality. God bless you.